Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we are talking about Minute 46, which begins with Johnny running towards the wrecked ute, and it ends with Toe Cutter handing Johnny a match. It's not a good minute for Goose. Nope. Yeah, he's got a serious case of the Mondays. If by serious case of the Mondays you wow. mean being hung upside down in a truck as do people contemplate burning you alive. <laughs> wow. Happy Monday. Yeah. So we start off this minute with the same shot that we ended Friday with. The ute is in the middle of a field, and we start to see Johnny running through the grass towards the wrecked truck. It's obvious that he needs to check on the situation, uh, confirm his kill in a sense, but... Because he hasn't been able to kill a goose yet. Yeah. So what makes him think this worked? Exactly, because as we see inside the truck, goose is just hanging in the cab but he's not dead he's just kind of dazed and so johnny runs up to the truck and we kind of see his legs through the window and he yeah he runs up to the passenger side first and then not sure why probably just because the angle at which he was coming like he ran around the motorcycle that got dropped out of the back of the truck yeah and so he probably got to the he got to the passenger side first and then he had to run around to the driver's side yeah I think he was kind of hoping as he reached the passenger side that he would just see, you know, a dead cop and that would be the end of it. And he wouldn't right. have to think about it too hard. He wouldn't have to investigate further. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm laughing because it hurts. <laughs> so he gets around to the driver's side of the truck and that's when he notices that Goose is still, for lack of a better term, alive and kicking. And I think it's at this point that we really get the confirmation that Goose put on his seatbelt. Yes. Like we talked yesterday about like he didn't, he kind of half-heartedly put it on. Right. And we never saw the completion. Like here is the absolute confirmation he did put on his seatbelt. Yes. And up to this point, him putting on that seatbelt, that harness, probably saved his life. Mm -hmm. And then in this moment, that flips around and... Now the harness is going to kill him. Yeah, essentially, because he's he's in a position where, like, he's kind of twisted at an angle where, like, one of his legs has fallen down, but the other one is still, I'm assuming, trapped up underneath yeah, the steering yeah, wheel. Yeah, probably under like the that. steering wheel. And that one leg that's loose, I really like how they treated that one leg. There's a little bit of inconsistencies where the leg is either up or down, and then a moment later it's the opposite. But there's one moment where you can hear his boot like coming loose and falling to down to the ceiling and it clunks yeah he like kicks it yeah and the, the sound effect i don't know it's just very satisfying mm -hmm. <laughs> so we get this moment of johnny realizing that goose is not dead and i love this i think he's just confused about what to do at this point yeah so he he runs up to the side of the truck realizes that goose isn't dead and then all we see is like from his thighs down from behind mm. and he backs up and just from that slight body language i think we get so much yeah and he act and we get another shot after we see him backing up of him like turning to look back up towards the road mm -hmm. and as he looks up 
back towards the road, that's when we get a shot of Toe Cutter hopping over the fence. Bubba is going to stay behind with the motorcycles for now, but Toe Cutter has hopped the fence and he's making his way across the field to where Johnny is. So I feel like Johnny is thinking at this point that Toe Cutter is coming to finish the deal, that Johnny has done his job. He doesn't need to worry about this cop situation anymore. He has delivered Goose to the boss. And so we get another shot of Goose in the truck. And he's kind of coming out of this daze that he was trapped in. And it's important to note here (laughs) that that is just legitimately Steve Bisley hanging up upside down in a truck. Like, they didn't do fancy camera work. They didn't make a clever set where he can sit upright and just kind of pretend or anything like that. No, that's just him hanging. And it becomes increasingly more obvious that he's been hanging in this truck longer and longer and longer. Mm -hmm. The more we see him in this minute. Because his face gets so red. And his eyes get so bloodshot because he's just hanging there and all the blood is rushing to his head. Like not even, you can't fake that. Yeah, he, he doesn't look good. Yeah. So I like the the shots that follow. We continue, the camera continues on the level of looking at Goose in the truck. Mm-hmm. So we've got this low level like thigh down or knee down. So we're seeing what Goose would have been able to see. Right, because we are invested in Goose. Yes. Goose is the person that we care about. Yes. So we're keeping an eye on him. And so we're seeing these Johnny's legs and all of a sudden Toe Cutter's legs show up. I really like what you thought about about how Toe Cutter approached Johnny. Because mm-hmm. Toe Cutter arrives kind of on Johnny's right hand side and then he passes in front of him because the whole time Johnny is looking at Goose. And so Toe Cutter crosses between him and Goose to draw his attention away from Goose. And so I get the real sense here that, you know, Toe Cutter already has a plan when he arrives. That he can see how uncomfortable Johnny is and how wavering he is in his resolve. And so he has come here to, you know, take charge of the situation and really refocus his boy Johnny. And so he pulls that focus away from any sort of, you know, human connection or possibility for mercy by breaking that connection so that Johnny loses the possibility of seeing Goose as, you know, a person. Mm-hmm. Um, Because it's really hard to kill a person, but it's not hard to kill something that you don't see as human. Right. The idea of the bronze is very impersonal. It's reducing them to... Like a symbol. Yeah. It's reducing them to a symbol. Like a cardboard It's a lot easier to kill a symbol than it is a human being that you you can see hanging upside down in a truck. Yeah. You can take a machete to a cardboard cutout of Bob Saget, but if you actually meet Bob Saget in in an alleyway... It's going to be really hard to actually chop him up with a machete. I don't know Bob why. Saget? I don't know why I went Bob Saget. It's just the first celebrity that popped into my head. Okay, I was going to say it's a lot easier to shoot a mannequin in the face that is representing the bronze than it is to actually set fire to the guy sitting in front of you. That's that's a lot more on brand than my analogy. <laughs> I don't know where Bob I was going Saget? with it. It just popped into my head. All I don't right. know why. Okay. I do not know why. So. <laughs> <laughs> so toe cutter arrives and he puts a rolled cigarette in his mouth because you know the toe cutter they're not going to stop off at the drugstore and buy a pack of cigarettes they're just going to roll their own mm-hmm. i want to think that toe cutter is more of a tobacco guy than something more illicit something more mind altering yeah because i feel like toe cutter he wants to remain in charge all the time yes. i feel like he's got he's got a real like he gets off on controlling other people right and so if he's gonna if he's gonna smoke something it's probably gonna be something that like tobacco just kind of calms him down a little bit yeah 
as opposed to something that like and mellows you there's out. There's a reason that they crazily. say don't get high on your own supply. Exactly. You can't be the boss if you can't control your own mind. Mm-hmm. Take note, drug dealers. I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> Keep in mind, we're not experts in dealing drugs. So grain of salt, I guess. <laughs> Always. So Johnny gets this instruction, light me. Light me, Johnny. And so his context would say, okay, he's got a cigarette in his mouth. Johnny is going to light the cigarette. And so he turns to Toe Cutter and looks down at the lighter hanging around his neck, picks it up, and goes to light the cigarette. Okay, so he's got the lighter. He goes to light the cigarette. Toe Cutter says, says, no, use a match. The flame is already at the cigarette. Oh, yeah, it's like right there. Like just one second and the cigarette would have been lit. Mm-hmm. So we get a quick shot before we see Toe Cutter hand Johnny that first match because Goose is hanging there upside down. He's watching all of this happen and we kind of see him like put his hand to his mouth and kind of smell it a little bit. But then he turns and there is gasoline streaming oh, str- yes, down the outside of the lot. car. Like and it is soaking into the grass around. Mm-hmm. And so he he's just heard sitting in a puddle. He just heard Toe Cutter say, light me, Johnny. And he's like, gasoline? Oh, no. Like, yeah. we have just been clued into a major detail of Toe Cutter's plan alongside Goose. And Johnny has not picked up on this yet. Because Johnny takes the match that Toe Cutter gives him. And he just strikes up the match on Toe Cutter's jacket, lights a cigarette, and then just blows out the match. Like, thinking nothing of it. Yeah, I think this speaks to back when we first met Toe Cutter and Johnny... Johnny was like grooming Toe Cutter, mm-hmm. you know, kind of cleaning up his hair. So again, I think this speaks to Johnny's role as kind of Toe Cutter Squire. Yeah. Like, take care of me. Like he's lit his cigarette so many times. Right. Why would now be any different? Right. And I kind of like that we get the second instance of Johnny using this lighter. Yes. So it's kind of like a, a reminder that he has this thing. Yeah, and it occurs to me, I was wondering why he had it around his neck. Maybe he has it around his neck because it's part of his job to light Toe Cutter's cigarettes. Yeah, so it makes sense that he would go to that first. Yes. You know, because it's just so... uh it's in my he does. In my notes, I call it, like, it's mundane for him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so quick that he just strikes the match, lights a cigarette, blows it out, boom, done, Bob's your uncle. I mean, there's nothing odd in Johnny's mind about this situation. No, everybody else knows Mm -hmm. what's going on. And Johnny is so focused on, okay, I've received an order from the toe cutter. I'm going to obey this order. And now my task is done. Didn't I do a good job? Praise me. Mm -hmm. You know, that type of thing. And he's not really observing his surroundings. And I have here in my notes that we get some really good interactions between Johnny and the Toe Cutter here. Specifically, a lot of angles over Toe Cutter's shoulder so that we can see Johnny's kind of thought process written on his face. Yes, we see much more of Johnny than we do of Toe Cutter. Mm -hmm. And I like these because we got to see it once before with the Station Master and we get to see it again here with Johnny that these people, they go up against the Toe Cutter and they are given a choice to either submit to his will or to, you know, act defiantly. And it's interesting to see that in the different characters as they're written and as how the actors interpret that direction. Because at first, Johnny, like I said, is quick to obey. He thinks nothing of it. But as Johnny's awareness of the situation evolves, his willingness to snap to and follow these instructions really starts to roll back 
and we get a little taste of that before the minute rolls out. We get a lot more of it tomorrow. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. But I, I just love this whole idea that with Toe Cutter, you either submit or you defy. And there are benefits from him for submitting and there are punishments from him for, you know, defying him. And when it comes to the overall sense of right and wrong, like those don't always line up like ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I like that while this is going on, we're watching this interaction between Toe Cutter and Johnny and they, they've got their own thing going on between the two of them, mm-hmm. their own power dynamic, their own story. And the whole time you can hear Goose, yeah, his breathing, and you can hear the panic increasing in his breath. It's very ragged. The struggle. Yes. And you can, yeah, you can tell he's trying to get out of the harness and it really helps to put a time frame to the story that we're watching between Johnny and Toe Cutter. Mm-hmm. There is a very defined motivation mm-hmm. for something to be happening. Yeah. That needs to be taken care of in a timely manner. Absolutely. We do see a little bit of Toe Cutter. After Johnny blows out that first match, we get a quick shot of him and it doesn't seem to me that he's necessarily like upset with Johnny. More just like a little disappointed that he didn't get what he was talking about. Yeah, Toe Cutter is much more nuanced than that. Mm-hmm. He gave him one chance to pick up on his meaning. He didn't pick up on his meaning. Now he's going to give him a second chance and really make it clear through, you know, intonation what is going on. And so yeah. he raises that second match he's- and Johnny is following that match with his eyes as Toe Cutter says, light another. And I think that, for lack of a better term, is where the light goes on. Yeah, <laughs> yes, definitely. I... Toe Cutter's still in teacher mode, Mm -hmm. where it's okay for Johnny to be a little slow because he's still, because Toe Cutter is still in a place where he's willing to teach Johnny. Yep. And I think that ends soon. I think in the next minute, we see some really interesting reactions from Toe Cutter. Uh, You'll notice that really the teaching moment ends when Johnny specifically like goes against him we don't see that till tomorrow yeah something's gonna we'll we'll talk about that when it rolls around but as long as johnny is willing at some level to submit to the toe cutter's will toe cutter is willing to point him in the right direction and when i say point him in the right direction i mean toe cutter's willing to point him in the direction that toe cutter wants him to go in yes he's willing to teach him but he's willing to teach him to do exactly as Mm -hmm. he wants Not what Johnny wants. Yeah. So Johnny kind of catches on to what this second match is really for. Yes. And he takes the match out of Toe Cutter's hands, but then he kind of like points at him and says, hey, as if to continue, you know, with a longer sentence of protest. And I find it interesting that Johnny is not necessarily willing at this moment to light the match and throw it into the gasoline, but he still takes the match. Yes, that's a very interesting line of thought that we'll see more of next time Mm -hmm. in the next minute that he's not willing to completely submit, but he's still walking down that path. Yeah. It's like, is it muscle memory for him? Like, has he done it so many times that he just instinctually takes it without thinking? Because the more he thinks about it, the, the less... This idea of wasting the bronze, as he said on the beach, it becomes less of an abstract thought and it becomes more grounded and more real the more that they just stand out there in that field. And like I said, 
he didn't think that he would have to stand there and look at Goose as Goose dies. He thought, okay, I'll sabotage the motorcycle. He'll go off the road, die that way. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Taken care of. I don't have to deal with that emotionally. And when that didn't work, he thought, okay, I'll throw the drum through the window. It'll smash the window, mess up his face. He'll crash and die. I won't need to be there to see it happen because I can see it from a distance. And he's at that point where plan A failed. Plan B failed. Now we're at Plan C, and he's lost he's, the he's lost the ability to decide what happens. Yes, he is now literally face to face, and and he you're right. He's lost the ability to decide. Toe cutter is there. There is no Plan D. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to happen, and it's going to happen right now. Yeah, I've been thinking about him taking the match, but protesting anyways. I think him taking the match, the action of just taking it. Because it was the path of least resistance. It was easier to take the match than to not take the match. Mm-hmm. I think about when you find yourself in a situation where you're, you're suddenly in over your head. And I, I think most people can probably relate to this. Half of what got you there was the path of least resistance. You made decisions along the way that were easier than making the other decision. Mm-hmm. You just kind of went with it without realizing it. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. I'm holding a lit match. Yeah. Right next to a pool of gasoline. Like, how did I get here? (laughs) How did I get here? This is not my beautiful house. (laughs) This is not my beautiful wife. (laughs) My God, what have I done? (laughs) Exactly. I I, I think that's exactly what's going through his head. Going, my God, what have I done? And we see part of that journey now, part of that journey tomorrow. Yeah. It gets really intense. It gets very intense tomorrow. And I love it. It's great. So the last thing we see in this minute is Toe Cutter beginning to speak. And his sentence gets cut off just because of how the minutes fall. So we're going to cover that bit tomorrow. We've had a bit of an abnormally short episode today. But, I mean, we're going to get into some real juicy stuff tomorrow. So I feel okay about it. Yeah. There was one thing we skipped talking about the, the farm animals that you could hear in the background. Yeah. I So I noted that you can hear sheep in the background way back in the beginning of the minute and you said that you thought it was a crow yeah because it kind of sounded like the crow sound that we heard when johnny was picked up by the police yes and while i really do think it's sheep because you can actually yeah we see some you can livestock see walking like around livestock behind in the background yeah. i like the idea though of the crow uh, of that theme running through of because crows can be seen as like an omen of death. They're carrion birds. Yes, they exactly. follow death. So this is another scene where we're seeing somebody come very close to dying. He, yeah. he doesn't die in the car. He dies in the hospital, right? Um, I don't recall. That's hard to say. We'll find out. Yeah, I kind of like the idea, and this might actually make this not a short episode. I might have to eat the words that I just said, <laughs> but I like the idea of Johnny being featured in scenes where you can hear crows cawing in the background because crows are fairly fairly cowardly birds like i said they're largely scavengers they pick corpses and whatnot it doesn't take a lot to like shoo them away they follow death even if they don't necessarily kill things yes they they let other circumstances kill their prey and then they swoop in and pick them out oh i like that this idea of the cowardly bird that still rides on the coattails of more apex predators, I feel like that applies to Johnny. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a reason we keep hearing these birds show up other than the fact that they're native to that area. Right. Like, 
little ADR things like this need to be inserted after the fact anyway. So there's got to be a reason. Right. It wasn't an accident. That Miller and Kennedy threw these things back in there. Right. The idea to really draw that parallel. And really, the idea of the scavenger becomes a big theme in later movies because everybody is pretty much reduced to needing to scrounge and to scrimp and just to get by. Yeah, yeah. To scavenge and whatnot. So I think it's a bit of an interesting idea that everywhere Johnny goes, he's followed by these crows. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Very interesting. I'm trying to think of other instances of animals in this movie there Um, was and i didn't i didn't note it because i didn't think it was interesting at the time and i can't remember exactly where it was but there was another instance where i thought i heard a sheep mm -hmm. it was mm. well while you're thinking of that we did see a stray dog when we were over in we jerusalem when the when the gang was messing around with the townspeople um we see a dog later on once uh jesse and max go on vacation um and can't necessarily remember any other instances of animals being involved in this movie. I'm going to look back through my notes real quick. I I will admit that sheep and crows do sound pretty similar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think that wraps it up for today. I think so. Our, the end of today's episode was a little meandering and whatnot, but at the same time, you know, we didn't want to step over tomorrow's content for the sake of today. So... In the meantime, you can go check out our website, which is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 46. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and men, take me to the end of the dream. Hold on tight so I can